1: When do you notice that the paper you're using is actually your skin? Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port.
0: Hello. 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 Another uh, slightly odd podcast uh, this week. You're at home. Uh, in your spinster pad—it's not really a spinster pad—just <laughs> no, your, your lover Tom is away this week.
2: Yeah, but thanks for calling it spinster pad.
0: It's really nice. Well, I just thought you know, while he's away, that's how you should think of it. Oh yeah, but it,
2: spinster just has so many negative connotations. Can you not think of a better word?
0: I'm trying to reclaim that word for uh, spinsters everywhere.
2: That's a nice. Yeah. Okay, that's a nice thing. I'll take it.
0: You do that, and and I um I I'm in in the in my attic. But unfortunately, it's all a bit last minute. We were just recording the podcast um, just before we put it out because we um, get a bit serious actually for a minute here. I had to go to a funeral, which um, meant that we couldn't get together to record. And uh, this week's episode, I would like to dedicate it to, to the memory of our friend, Brian, who did, died recently and uh, went to uh, his funeral yesterday. And he was... An amazing man. We got to know him because he wrote into the radio show after hearing me on a thing on Radio 4. And uh, then him and his wife, Tracy, came to visit us. And we just love them straight away. We just click straight away. Brian and I, in some ways, are very similar characters that we just want to know what the rules are in any given social situation. And if people aren't following the rules, it it would drive him mad like it drives me mad. And um, we sort of bonded over that and a love of Larry David. And um, we we got to know them well. and, And, you know, he was the kindest, most generous man. And he lived this incredible life, and there was lots of stuff that I didn't know about him in the eulogy. So you'll like this, Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an extra in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <gasps> Amazing. We never knew that about him.
2: Wow, that'd be the first thing I'd tell people when I met them.
0: Well, the thing about Brian is he was just full of stories. Um, he was one of, it turned out you know, he's very humble, um, but you get talking to him, and it turned out he was one of the top Music lighting designers in the world. Like he, he, toured with the Manic Street Preachers for a long time. He toured with Coldplay, Britney Spears. When when Carol King came to the UK to perform Tapestry, the only time she ever performed that classic album uh, in concert in Hyde Park, Brian was in charge of designing uh, the 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 lighting for that show. And we were very lucky because he let us go and sit in his booth with him in Hyde Park in London and it was just one of the great musical experiences of my life and it was also my first night out after my son was born and like it was so special getting to spend time with him and watch him do his job, wasn't it? It was amazing, yeah, it was brilliant. And, um, you know, it just turned out that he mentored all these people and you could tell because he was this type of a guy but there were so many people speaking about how he had mentored them and, and and what he would do for them and there were sort of lots of music industry people there paying the respects um he most recently had been on tour with billy ocean so billy ocean and his band were at the funeral and, and the, and the oh. band were playing in the evening i'll tell you who else else was there it was uh it was gabrielle oh really yeah and um I didn't really, because I'd, I'd always thought with her, the, the eye thing was just like a rock and roll gimmick. It was, but um, I think she's got some condition with her eyelids. So she had like the the hair was all over the eye. That That's a real thing. I think did you know that?
2: I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you did? <laughs> I, did because, I never thought it was oh, a gimmick. I was
0: thinking, well, I was, well, no, because I take it you saw Eurovision at the weekend. Yeah, some of it. Yeah. So Madonna came on with an eye patch.
2: Uh, Okay, I guess. Okay, yeah, yes. You thought the same
0: same thing. And I don't think like she has a lazy eye that she's trying to correct. No. Why was she doing it then? Well, I think because you do see it time time to time in sort of uh, you know rock and roll costume. Like people wear an eye patch. Think David Bowie perhaps wore an eye patch in one of his many personas. But um, it it is one of the few uh, things that are actually some some kind of aid for a disability mm. that for some reason it's acceptable to just wear as a fashion accessory
2: yeah i see your point yeah
0: like you couldn't just go start going around in a wheelchair
2: no that wouldn't be acceptable as,
0: a, as an accessory but, but for some reason the eye patch is fine
2: yeah how interesting yeah yeah
0: I And mean, of course you had morrissey with the hearing aid but that never really caught on did it
2: no, but he didn't get berated for it. Not that I remember. I mean, maybe No, he did. no.
0: I mean, I'm sure he would now. <laughs> Although sure, that's yeah. the least of his problems these days, really, <laughs> isn't it? <So>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you didn't watch all of Eurovision then?
2: No, I, I made it up until Michael Rice. Uh, and then there was that... Very, very loud one from Iceland. I thought, oh, that's enough for me. I'm going to bed.
0: <laughs> Honestly. I watched the whole thing. And, and I, I genuinely, in an uncynical way, I genuinely love the Eurovision Song Contest, as we've talked about, you know, for many years. And I was really looking forward to it this year. And it was so anticlimactic for me.
2: Why did you... Why was it an anticlimax?
0: Well, firstly, like... Sarah ended up having a gig, so I watched it on my own. Mm, it's not the same, And I think it's it? <laughs> not quite the same when you're watching it on your own, right? No, it's not. No, I, I
2: definitely found that myself, yeah.
0: Much as I like having a me party, I think mm. that Eurovision really benefits from at least one other person being there. It's got to be a me and you party, yeah. Yes, yeah, at, at the very least. Yeah. Secondly, Sarah, she asked me to cook these potatoes to have them ready for when she got back, back potatoes. Now, I am a very um, physically unadept man and it involves slicing these potatoes in a very very finely. So I was doing that watch whilst watching the telly, but I didn't really have an eye on what was going on the TV. So it was sort of passing me by a little bit. And then all and I was I'd been meaning to do some tweets, but I was too, you know, caught up in slicing vegetables. And and by the time I finished doing that, it was two thirds of the way through. And then I found myself spiralling a bit into a into a pit of melancholy. <laughs> because I look forward to Eurovision every year mm. and here it was it was two thirds of the way through I hadn't really engaged with it I wasn't enjoying myself and then it started thinking about my own mortality again oh so I'm thinking well there we go there's another year gone how many of these have I got left I mean it really wasn't uh it wasn't a good night for me in in various ways
2: it's not often how Eurovision ends a Eurovision song contest like, <laughs> <laughs> quite
0: unique is that not normal to, to have it making you think of your own mortality? <laughs> I don't think so, no. I mean, I think I think the only person having a worse night was the, the guy who was the British entry. Oh, Michael Rice, no. But I'm yeah. sure his nan was proud. I'm sure she was. I'm sure she was. Anyway, sorry, I, I just wanted to, to get back to, to Brian. Um because in in a way with me sort of navel gazing about my own mortality he was he was the opposite of that so his story um was he, he was diagnosed with with this cancer in in 2009 and told it was terminal but he ended up having pretty much a decade and his whole mentality was he wasn't going to waste a minute. And him and Tracy, they did some incredible things. They saw a lot of the world. Uh, they had not a camper van. What are the ones that are bigger than camper vans called? You're asking the wrong person. RVs, maybe. They they sort of toured uh, lots of far-fung places in one of those. They sailed. But he also, because he thought of this time, he'd been given bonus time, Um he, he he did a thing called the Cancer Bonus Tour, and we went to see him on this. And he, he mm. got an old, um, I think it was a Vauxhall Victor car, which I think the story was it was the same as his first car. And mm. he toured the country, like touring all the venues that he had um, memories of during his time as this rock and roll lighting designer. And he raised money for these charities that were close to his heart. And um, it's just just an incredible thing to do when so many people would just be saying why me Mm-mm. um so I, I wanted to mention it and what i'm going to do is i'm going to put a a link in the description to the show there's a just giving page and it's for the sussex cancer fund and brian really credited them with giving him this bonus this extra life to be with his family and see the world and 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 raise this money um through the research they did and the, the support they did for him and and the consultant spoke at the funeral so i don't know if you do find yourself thinking oh i wouldn't mind giving some money to a good cause even if it's a five or a ten or or whatever it is i will put the link to that in the episode notes for this show um there's a little just giving page set up in his memory um and i just want to you know mention tracy his wife as well because she's such a considerate person she saw me at the wake and she came over and she went jeff you know you don't have to stay i know this is your idea of a nightmare oh. socializing with people and this this is you know a, a woman who's lost the love of her life yeah. very very recently and she's thinking about my drifter <laughs> social anxiety oh. that's so nice <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I wanted to start, and I know I've sort of gone on a bit here, but uh, an incredible man, I wanted to start by uh, dedicating this episode of Adrift to to the memory of Brian Leach.
1: Time for Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in whichever order that makes sense to you. You are the one perceiving it in the computer simulation. Um, hi.
0: Right, on to the part of the podcast where you... Share your stories uh, with us and your fellow drifters. If you have a story of your own failings to to move amongst other human beings, uh, then we'd love to hear it, please. Hello at adriftpodcast.com.
2: The first one is from Rebecca. While listening to episode 84, where Anon got into a car with three strangers while trying to find his way to a Scrabble tournament, I was reminded of an incident which I managed not to think about for at least a month or so. The shame came flooding back with an intensity which I'm sure is familiar to many drifters. I had recently moved to a new town which was relatively near to where an old friend who I met up with occasionally lived and we arranged to go out for dinner. He's a very clever guy who hadn't been handed life's best cards, but he'd worked very hard setting up his own business and things were working out well for him at last. And at our last meetup, he told me how he was really excited because he'd put a deposit down on a silver BMW, which was something that he'd always aspired to and was looking forward to taking me out in it next time we met up. As a socially awkward drifter, my integration into my new house share was going predictably badly. And to avoid talking to the other occupants, I was sat in my room at the front of the house looking for my friend to arrive in his new car for our dinner date. A very shiny and sleek silver BMW pulled up on the other side of the road near the house. And delighted that my friend was here, I dashed downstairs saying an awkward goodbye to my housemates as I walked through the sitting room. It was raining quite heavily, so I quickly crossed the road, opened the passenger door, and got in, exclaiming, Wow, I love your new car. I turned to my friend, who was over six foot tall, white, and with shoulder length ginger hair, to find a short, bold, elderly man of Asian descent. I was pretty shocked. What had happened to my friend? I turned and looked at the back seats, perhaps thinking that maybe my friend had been trussed up and taken hostage or something. He hadn't. I was very confused about how my tall gingerhead friend turned into a short, bald Asian man and sat there for a few moments gathering my thoughts in a car with a strange man who moments earlier I had to briefly suspected was a kidnapper. Eventually, the man politely said, can you get out of my car, please? So I did. Having only just left the house, I couldn't possibly go back inside and tell my new (laughs) housemates that I just got into a car with a complete stranger. So I stood there in the pouring rain, waiting for my friend to arrive. When he pulled up a few minutes later in his lovely new silver BMW, I got in again. And he asked why on earth I was standing outside in the rain. I recounted the sorry tale. And once he stopped laughing, he promised he would never mention it again. Which he hasn't, apart from every time we meet when he asks, (laughs) did you get here okay? In a very pointed manner, before bursting out laughing again. Friends, eh? Drift on, preferably in the correct vehicle
0: that's fantastic uh, yes
2: uh, Rebecca also suggests that we should do drifter or a drift pin badges because drifters seem like pin badge people and oh yes that yes people very could much then so yes. dis- discreetly identify each other and then avoid eye contact or use the little pictures that show up on the list of podcast episodes that is a good idea isn't it
0: that is a great idea so do you fancy um buying a badge maker
2: I got- <laughs> I'm not making them myself
0: and then go to the post office. <laughs> I am not making them myself. Oh. No. I think that it was the, the post office that means we, you won't be doing another run of pencils, doesn't it?
2: I, th- I think I think perhaps so. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to this one then from Pip. So last night was the Eurovision Song Contest. I really love Euro- Eurovision and I thought it'd be fun to invite a few people over to watch it and have a party. Everything was going to plan, and I had a group of about eight or nine friends planning to come and bringing themed food, so I was really looking forward to it. But on the morning of the party, one of the friends asked if she could stay over at mine as the show always ended really late, and it would be really hard for her to get back to the other side of London at that time of night. I really like this girl, but as a drifter, I get a bit knackered after socialising, and I quite like that moment after everyone has left a party and you get the place to yourself again. And we all
0: know London has a very good night bus network. It
2: does, it does. I also selfishly wanted a totally unencumbered Sunday to do just what I wanted without having a house guest. Finally, my sister is coming next week and I knew this would mean having to change the spare room sheets and I am incredibly lazy. (laughs) So I tried to put her off. First, I suggested a different route home she may not have considered. She said she had checked the train times and they would not be running that late. I suggested we book a minicab for a group of people at the party to share to make it more affordable.
0: I cannot believe this person hasn't (laughs) taken a hint at this point. It's
2: extraordinary, extraordinary. It transpired no one lived anywhere near at all. At this point, any normal person, as you say, would have realised that having a friend to stay is no problem at all and would have just said yes. Being an idiot, I kind of panicked and got fixated on the idea of not having anyone to stay. So I made up a fib and said she would be very welcome to stay, but I would be a terrible host as I would have to get up really early on the Sunday to catch a train to have brunch with a friend. For some reason, I picked a friend out of my mental Rolodex and said I had to get to Reading. I thought this would suitably put her off and she would find some other solution, but she said it was fine. If she was quite oh an no. early riser anyway, and thanked oh me profusely no. for letting me stay over. So... The party kicked off and she arrived with her overnight stuff. We had a great time. And when everyone else left just after midnight, she helped me with all the clearing up just to make me feel even more guilty. She asked me what station I would be leaving from the next day. I realized I I hadn't thought this through at all. And she was now expecting me to leave the house to catch my imaginary train at about 8 (laughs) a.m. I tried fruitlessly to work out a way that I could feasibly take a different mode of transport to her, even though we were essentially going in the same direction, giving me a chance to walk around the block and go home again. But there was literally no way I could do this without looking suspicious. (laughs) So this morning, I got up early, despite the late night, showered, dressed, Walked with her one mile to the station, rode two stops to Clapham Junction and said oh. goodbye to her as she continued to Waterloo. I then got off the train, crossed over the footbridge, got, <laughs> got back on the train and rode two stops back the way I'd come and walked a mile back home again. Just because I felt awkward about having someone to say, I have literally been too embarrassed to tell this to anyone and feel like a prize idiot, idiot. All I kept thinking as I rode back home was that this was the most driftery moment I have ever had oh
0: I mean it's just wonderful I mean it's, it's straight up the sort of situation I could imagine myself in mm. I am full of respect for you that you're able to write in that email the next day because yes. a lot of people it would be years <laughs> before you'd be able to say that out loud <laughs> it was also extremely reminiscent to me of the uh, episode of Seinfeld where George pretends to his uh, his, his dead fiance's parents that he has a, a house in the Hamptons and they say oh really we'd like to come and see that um, mm. yeah it's just wonderful thank you so much for sharing that story that has filled me with joy uh share yours it's hello at adriftpodcast.com now
1: that you're listening what's happening do you know it do you like it when will you be here in the future i will be here in the future adrift with jeff lloyd and annabelle port
0: annabelle yes i am ready for a way in which you're not a fully functioning adult
2: Part 17. Paranoia. (laughs) Now, I don't know if this is normal, as I've never asked anyone, but if I'm driving and I hear someone bib their car horn, I immediately assume that it's me that's done something wrong. Oh, yeah. I think it is quite normal. Even if the car bibbing is not that near me, I assume that I have done something to irritate them.
0: I I think that, and I'm I'm usually just a passenger. Well, I'm always just a passenger. But I
2: tell you when it it also happens to me, is if if I'm walking along the pavement, even when I'm a pedestrian, I think, oh, oh, what have I done? What have I done? Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. Guilty conscience.
2: And then when I think I'm paranoid, I also think... Well, you're also self-centered because it's all about me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. There are
2: 30 people around me, but that horn is for me. (laughs) Even though it's a bad thing, I'm being criticized. If there are any psychologists listening, I don't want to know, okay. But I do get paranoid all the time. Like if someone takes me more than an hour to text, someone takes more than an hour to text me back, it's because they hate me and then I spend hours listing the reasons why this may be the case and then I get really angry with the person because the reasons I've imagined up aren't good enough reasons to hate me. (laughs) And I'm thinking, well, you're pathetic if that's why you've not texted back. I'm just making it all <laughs> up in my head. One of my more memorable paradigm moments took place when I lived in Poland, which was about 20 years ago. So I was teaching English as a foreign language and also having a very nice time with the other teachers. And I wasn't looking to meet anyone in a romantic way. I was just 23 at the time. But I did end up dating a Polish guy towards the end of my time there. Now, I say guy. He was technically, technically... A teenager because he was 19, but, but I was just turned 23. So it wasn't a big age gap, perhaps worse than him being technically a teenager was that he was also still at school, but only because they go to school until 19 in Poland. And I promise, I swear that he didn't wear school uniform. Okay. Okay. So we dated for a bit. And one night he invited me with a few of my teaching friends to a house party and he'd warned me that his ex was going to be there and they'd only recently split up and it had been a bit acrimonious and they'd been together for a long time. How long he meant, considering he was 19, I can't remember. I mean, probably six months is a long time then. But anyway, I went to this party and for reasons which bewildered me now, I brought along some music for the party, which in itself doesn't sound that weird. But to give you a bit more detail, it was just one album I brought, which was Catatonia's International Velvet, which is album. exactly that is a good album. Nothing wrong so far. I was just obsessed by one song on the album, though, Road Rage. And I completely took over the music at the party by playing this one song over and over again, which I admit is really bad. But what makes it worse is that you couldn't you couldn't buy CDs in this small town in Poland I live in. Like communism had only ended nine years earlier and there was still a lot of catching up to do. So I bought the Catatonia album on cassette. So I was playing this one song on repeat. And then having the party in silence while I fiddled around, (laughs) rewinding it to the start again, which as you will remember, it takes some time. Everyone must have hated me, but I, I can only see that in retrospect at the time. I just thought I was providing them with the best song all night. So surprisingly, I wasn't paranoid about that. The paranoia kicked in when I was taking a brief respite from road rage in the garden and the ex-girlfriend was sitting talking with a group of friends and I was convinced they were talking about me and slugging me off. And because my Polish didn't really extend beyond suppression, which means, excuse me, ma'am cats, I've got a hangover. I mean, my knickers are red. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea what they were actually saying, but I was sure they were badmouthing me and smug in the knowledge that they could do this without me understanding. So I decided I was going to show them. I was going to make them feel terrible. So I went up to the group and said loudly and angrily in English, stopping them all talking. I said, I understand every word. And every face looked at me with confusion because... they would probably just been talking about clothes or their homework or Lech or whatever Polish teacher, teenagers talk about. And an older foreign woman had interrupted by angrily saying another language in English, I understand every word. They must have thought it was insane, which brought on a whole new level of paranoia. So I just went back inside and rewound and played road rage again, which actually looking back really was the far, far worse crime.
1: Soon people will know that we don't know what we're doing. Adrift.
0: Tell you what I'm excited about is our Adrift live show in Hebden Bridge at the end of June. We're going to book our train tickets soon. Yep, I'm excited about the train journey. I'm also going to book train tickets for our special guests and I can announce who they are. (gasps) Go on. So I'm so pleased that he's going to do it. I just love him he's the loveliest man and and so brilliant and talented musician gavin osborne we've talked about him before on the podcast in fact he was uh, on episode 26 he's a singer songwriter and if you i mean if you listen to this podcast and you enjoy this podcast gavin's music is meant for you his his lyrics are quintessential drifter lyrics and he's going to come play a song or two and i'm so pleased about it um it's, he's, he's just brilliant, and it'll be a real treat for you to to get to see him. So I'm excited about that. And so, and I, I just want Gavin, Gavin is the big name, mm, mm, yeah. but the, the other guest is exciting in a different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because my mother in law, Lim Barron, has decided to fly over to the UK specially. No. For our live show and come no. to Hebden Bridge with us, yeah. That's,
2: that's not the main reason, honestly. No,
0: no, it is the main reason. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, she's been very thorough in her correspondence about it. <laughs> by which I mean, uh, I, I have corresponded with Gavin. I've corresponded with you. I've corresponded with the Trades Club in Hebden Bridge. The the person who has asked the most questions <laughs> about logistics <laughs> and and you know, been <laughs> prolonged the interaction. Is is Lynn, so, but I don't, I don't know. I I've not asked her uh, uh, if she will join in in any way with the the live show, but I think since she's there, mm. she can at least give a wave to everyone, right?
2: Oh, I think so. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's it's very exciting. So if you've got tickets to that, we're really looking forward to it, and we're really looking forward to seeing you there. Um, I did a live show of the other podcast with Ed on the um, on the South Bank in London at the weekend, mm. and. Something happened afterwards. So we, we, we went outside and Ed gets a bit mobbed by people wanting selfies with him. Right. Which he loves. I
2: was going to say, he loves a selfie, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's
0: like a, a enthusiastic puppy. He just wants to meet everybody. Um, but somebody came up to me and said, "Jeff, Jeff, can I have a photo with you? Oh. And I said... Can I just ask are you asking me this sort of out of pity because you can see that everyone's asking Ed for a for a picture and you thought it'd be a nice thing to do for my self esteem to ask me if I want one? And he went, Well yes, yes I am I am. But Oh the honesty. I know. Oh, I know.
2: The cup the kindness followed by the honesty is a bad combination. I said to him,
0: So probably you would just delete this like as soon as you left. He went, Yeah, I probably would. I so I went, sure, let's 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 not have the photo though. But I really appreciate, oh. I really appreciate the gesture. <laughs> I didn't
2: even want it taking up space on the phone. No, That's so no. sad.
0: But it was very considerate of me. I thought
2: it was. You're yeah, right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm sure it'll be the same with people wanting selfies with Lynn Barron, my mother-in-law at the Adrift live show in Hebden Bridge. Has she has uh, she got
2: a rider yet?
0: Not yet, but oh. I'm sure she'll be mm-hmm. sending a list of sure. the you know the various parsley. I bet parsley's on the list. Parsley. <laughs> Yeah, stuff to go in her frittata, <laughs> yeah, stuff that she can make some weird herbal tea out of. She'll need an area where she can do her tai chi in the morning. That
2: particular type of
0: Coke bottle to massage her foot. <laughs> oh, God, I had forgotten about that. In case you never heard us talking about that. Some, oh, really? Some time ago, I'm just saying in case you're listening to this and you never heard us talking about that. Um, some time ago, she 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 came over and she brought with her an empty Coca-Cola bottle. <laughs> And I said to her, Lynn, you know we have Coca-Cola... I said, firstly, why have you travelled from the United States with a Coca-Cola bottle? And she said, oh, I put it under my foot and rubbed my foot up and down on it. So I said, well, you know we have Coca-Cola here. I think she sometimes thinks, we've talked about this before, that visiting the UK is a bit like, you know, visiting the former Soviet Union before the fall of the Iron Curtain and, and that we just don't have the same goods. Tin so foil. Coca- <laughs> yeah, so well, she, has, she does bring her own tin foil and cling film. Um, but huge boxes of it that she brings across the Atlantic just so she doesn't have to buy British tinfoil. Anyway, so so I said, we do have Coca-Cola bottles here. She went, mm, are you sure they're the same ones? I said, yeah, I think so. So anyway, the next time she came, she didn't bring this bottle with her, hmm. uh, but she went across to my local shop. I was with her. And she bought. She went to buy a bottle of Coca Cola, but she wasn't exactly sure it was the same one. So she took her shoe off oh God. in the shop and practiced, you know, to see how it would feel <laughs> on the floor before spending the seventy nine p or whatever a bottle of Coca Cola would cost.
2: I could never go in that shop again. I don't think. Oh
0: no, I know. Um, anyway, that's the 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 drift live show. It's happening at the end of June. It is sold out, but. Um, Are we going to record it? I've not even thought about that.
2: Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe we'll
0: record it for Patreon supporters.
2: Yeah, we definitely should do
0: that. 100%. There we go. That's what we'll do with it. So if you support us on Patreon, we'll give you that as a little bonus.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. Computer sounds are awesome. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port adrift.
0: Quite sad that Game of Thrones is finished. Mm, I'm okay about it <laughs> because when it started, you used to watch it.
2: I watched. I watched up to like maybe sort of series four or five. What, what did it finish on? Series eight. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. Really, that I just couldn't see it through. I just, I, I just fell off. And they think if you fall off, then how would you get back on again? There's too many. No, characters. I, I,
0: res- I respect it, but I mean, I, I just with anything like that I have to see it through to the end and it wasn't an ordeal by any stretch of the imagination you know some shows i was just, just been dying for them to finish and um, I don't quite get on board with some of the stuff people have said about this series like people were very angry with it and broadly speaking I enjoyed it I think it all happened a bit fast that's my criticism and, and everybody's but um, I thought in terms of the things that happened I, I could fairly much get on, on board with all of them but you used to watch it because when it first came out we used to do the little spin-off show didn 't we mm yeah Thronecast. I forgot I forgot you were even on that, and then yeah, then, so what did you used to do? this is how bad my memory is. <sighs> we used to do like a little show, and I know that i I would interview cast members and talk about the episodes but I can, and, and then. Grace Dent, the journalist, would come on and Mm-mm. talk about the episode with me. So now I'm sort of struggling to remember what your role in the whole thing was.
2: Well, I did a couple of series of it. And in one of them, I was I had I interviewed super fans. Oh, that's
0: right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and like
2: people who could speak Dothranc- Dothraki, Dothraki yes, and of that kind of did. thing. Yeah. Yes, and then, yes. then in the second one, I, I, I seem to remember I did a little thing about cheese is named after game of thrones and i wasn't invited back again
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you were doing the quirky side of game of thrones exactly exactly right 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 right. that i couldn't i couldn't remember i remember you were there Mm. i just i was trying to figure out what was annabelle doing you were just sitting there like you'd won a competition (laughs) Yeah, yeah it was a bit like that But we did, I think you did maybe the first two series and I did the first three. Yeah, yeah. And then they put it on proper telly and um, all of a sudden somebody noticed and thought, no, no, no. I mean, I've mentioned this this before, I know, but um, there was a tweet saying, I can't believe Sky have chosen to follow the most expensive program ever made for television with the cheapest program ever made for television. So, that so that was, I think that tweet was fairly much what sealed my fate on that mm. show. But it was it was because it, that program was so so famous for killing off characters. My one regret is that at the beginning of the fourth series, I didn't come on and introduce the show as normal and then get sort of knifed multiple times in the back and and have my throat slit. I thought that would have been a good way to exit. That
2: would have been a brilliant way to exit, yeah.
0: But, um, you know, I just got a phone call saying you won't be coming back, (laughs) Mm -mm. which is a shame. Anyway, I'll I'll miss it. We had a little routine, Sarah and I. I would drum along with the theme music on her foot at the beginning of every episode and on the sofa. That's the thing we've done for all these years and now never again.
2: Well, you can still do it.
0: What? Just put the Game of Thrones theme music on in our house.
2: Put it on. Put it on YouTube. Watch it. <laughs> still do it. If you if you miss <laughs> it,
0: <laughs> I think it would be a, a strange thing mm. to do. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, I, I was going to mention if you if you do have a bit of a, a gap in your life left by Game of Thrones, um, I know I've talked about this show before, but it's so good. Barry, have you watched it yet?
2: No, not yet. No. What's the name of the it, guy in it?
0: Bill Hader, Bill Hader. Now, he was yeah, on Saturday him. Night Live yeah. in the States. And if you saw the Amy Schumer film, Train uh, Trainwreck, he was the love interest in that film. And he's mm. really funny. Yeah. But this show, it is funny, but it's really dark as well. And um, in the same way that Breaking Bad, when it first came along, was more of a comedy and then it evolved. I think Barry's sort of evolved a bit like that as well. He is a trained assassin. He's a, he's a former um, soldier, who then comes out of the army and, and a guy grooms him to be an assassin and he's like this brilliant assassin. His work, sort of taking cover, he finds himself in a, in a theatre in Los Angeles, like a, um, a theatre school, and he sees these people having a drama lesson and he gets the acting bug. So it's about an assassin who wants to give it all up and become an actor. It's and a great premise. It is really, it is so, so good. And it's kind of coming to the end, I think, of the the second series, and I can't recommend it highly enough. So that is my uh, TV recommendation for this week. Um, here's, here's the thing. So when we go to bed at night, Sarah and I will always... Get my laptop and watch a TV show on it and fall asleep watching TV. I know they say that's not good because of screen time and light and stuff, but it seems to work well for us. And uh, at the moment, we've been re watching Veep. So, and I, I tend to fall asleep before she does. Right. So I fell asleep the other night. And then sort of woke back up again five or ten minutes later, and she's still watching the laptop, but she's moved it a lot closer to her face, mm. and she's turned the volume right down, which at first I think is very considerate of her. Mm. Then I look at the screen, and it's no longer an episode of veep right It's videos of Bruce Springsteen as a young man no and and it turns out <laughs> so I confronted her about it, and it turns out that like quite often either one. I'm not around, or after I've fallen asleep she's she's got this sort of young bruce springsteen obsession and and she's just watching videos of him the whole time
2: and like kind of like getting swoony about him
0: yes, I think so no <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure how it makes me feel because like here's how it makes me this is what it makes me think either she doesn't have a type, right, yeah. Or she's married somebody who's very much not her type. <laughs> it's one or the other, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: It's the person that sometimes get in touch with you, but then you don't talk to them very often because you're just like busy. And it's not that you don't like them; it's just that you don't like them that much. So you just kind of lose touch and uh, go adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port.
0: All right, time now for problematic. Quandary Corner. What was the one from last week? Some Drifter's Dilemmas. Drifter's Dilemmas, yeah. Quite like that one. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know what the rules are in any social situation, um, maybe we should rename this feature after Brian, actually. Uh, okay. Life um, uh, like, life, of, uh, life of Brian, life according to Brian, I don't know. We'll need to workshop it. Mm, yeah, I just yeah. thought, because that was always his thing, mm. um, what are the rules? We'll we'll think it through.
2: We'll think it through properly before we we talk about about it. (laughs) If you get the right title.
0: Um, Anyway, Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic. uh, Certainly this week very much with our dear friend Brian in mind. Um, Who's the first one from? It's from The Count. What does The Count say? I have a question for Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic that
2: might be important for the live show at Hebden Bridge. I went to a small music gig that was seated using lines and lines of plastic seating all at floor level. I was sat with my feet tucked slightly under my own chair. Imagine knees slightly bent backwards so my feet are under my own chair. The person behind me sat down. And stretched out their legs, hitting mine. They moved their legs back, but kept doing it throughout the show, like they were trying to claim the space. So, can we have a rule on who owns that space under the chair, so I and fellow drifters don't have to have extra interactions with people? I never thought well, about this, this before. Who owns no, it? No, this is a
0: very good question, actually, isn't because it? I think it's very driftery to tuck your legs in, so that if somebody wants to get past, or so you're taking up mm. a, a smaller amount of space as possible mm. at the same time like my my instincts tell me that the the space under the chair in front belongs at least in in the main to anybody who wants to put the leg under under them
2: so this is very very tricky i feel almost that it should be half each hmm
0: I mean, yeah, I do sort of think that. I, but then, the risk of touching another human being is very high. I mean, what is weird about this story to me is that it happened repeatedly. Because mm. you know, you you should just feel shame if part of you accidentally touches another human being, and then you should just like a, a, assume a position where you're as, as close to being in a ball as possible, and not move out of that position <laughs> until you know the other person has gone, the whole, the room has been deserted.
2: I think what I'm gonna do is invent a kind of an attachment to place, like a universal attachment for all chairs that creates a little divider at the bottom so that there's no touching and it's very clear whose is whose. And maybe I can make my fortune from this. Yeah.
0: I think your your bag can definitely go under your chair. Right, yeah. Yeah. So I almost feel as if the amount of space directly under you uh, that is taken up by your baggage is, is yours mm. and then the bit where somebody's feet would go is is theirs but then if somebody's really kind of overdoing it and, and luxuriating and stretching out then then that is a problem this is this is very difficult but what about the long-legged this is very difficult it is um so that's that's what uh that's what annabelle and i think but mm. yeah, you know, maybe that's one of those which we should open up for further discussion
2: i think maybe we need to yeah
0: yeah Okay. Uh, okay, and the other one.
2: Okay, this is from Lieutenant Colonel Colin. A few GLAP related queries that have taken me a long time to get around to asking. Number one, refunds and returns. About six months ago, as I say, it's taken a while, Annabelle mentioned something about taking clothes back to a shop for a refund or exchange. Could you please clarify the rule on this? I have always assumed that the drifter code would be that it's better to get something home and never wear it than head back to the shop and ask a person for a refund. I can just about live with Amazon-style returns where no interaction is involved. But surely we don't have the audacity to tell a person their product isn't good enough and we want our money back.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I I struggle with refunds. I had a girlfriend once, and and her and her mum, like part of their whole whole deal was buying things and taking them back. But and I thought, just thought, who are you people? <laughs> who because I know they generally don't want much of an explanation, but just anything of an explanation to me is. Is, is difficult in that situation you're, think, you're just happy with it though aren't you? i
2: think generally they don't ask anymore i think they used to i think I, I do remember in the past that you'd have to say like a reason but now i think you just you just they don't ask you just say oh i'm returning it and they don't they don't want a reason anymore.
0: Just, just having to say, "Oh, um, I'd like to bring this back, please." feels <laughs> feels awkward to me. And then, like trying to remember which card you paid for it with, and really? then finding that one, and that you anyway, yeah.
2: Oh, okay. But are we going to have a rule about it? I mean, I think well, it's fine. you I,
0: I, you know, I, 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 am as in need as much as anybody as a, a, of a rule on this one. Okay. Well, I think the thing, the important thing to remember
2: is they don't they don't really ask you anymore why you're bringing it back. So you just treat it very clinically and coldly. <laughs> just say firmly I would like to return this and that's that's pretty much the end of the interaction really okay okay and then and then just treat it in your head like you're buying it but you're not okay
0: reverse buying
2: it's just reverse buying (laughs) that's all it's reverse buying there you go okay number two haircut rules part 35 a couple of years ago something occurred to me that horrified me and I don't want to ask anyone for fear of humiliation "'When I was a kid having my hair cut, "'I'd always close my eyes when they cut the front bit. "'And so I've always done that. "'Until a few years ago when the barber asked me "'if I was all right at that point. "'I told him I was fine. "'And then as I was working out why he'd asked me that, I suddenly realised that maybe grown-ups don't close their eyes when they're having the front bit cut and I spent the last 15 years with barbers wondering why I was so odd. I now keep my eyes open and put up with hair going in them knowing I can't rub them because my hands are trapped under the sheet or <laughs> blanket or cloak, whatever it is. I know it seems mad but I really don't know the rule. Please help.
0: So I, I have eyes closed for a beard trim and eyes open for a haircut is, is my rule. A beard um, trim,
2: but the beard is underneath the
0: eyes. No, but when they're using the clippers on the beard, it's like little bits of fine hair, and they, ah, you know, and they okay. tip you back a little bit, so okay, they okay. know that it can go again. A weird thing happened to me. I went to a Turkish barber's near us a while ago. In fact, it's happened twice at the same place. I've gone in for a beard trim, and the you know um, young man started like started clipping them, and I've got my eyes closed. When I've opened my eyes, it's somebody else. <gasps> <laughs> I think they do it to, if they notice you've got your eyes closed they do uh, it to mess with your head. That's hilarious. But for for me like being in front of a mirror is just the worst as well and I just the the one thing that makes it bearable is i'm so so short-sighted i can't really see my own face very well in the mirror so, so i need my glasses at the end to see how it looks but right. like to sit there for half an hour looking at your own face your own horrible aging face is just awful so when, when um, they swap I think,
2: the person over when you got your eyes closed does any paranoia yeah. creep in like they were like yes, i can't, yeah, can't yeah, bear yeah. to cut this beard any longer what's that does any paranoia kick in where you think, "Oh, they, I can't bear to cut this beard any longer"? No, what I it.
0: do is I, I just doubt myself. I think, "Did that really happen? Right, I like see, this, yeah, this is an right. old guy with grey hair, and I'm pretty sure it was a young lad who started." <laughs> I mean, maybe I've been here for a long time. <laughs> yeah, <but>.
2: yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I think well the rule is I think you can do what you want with your eyes, can't you? I don't think it's no. Weird. I think keeping no. them closed
0: is a bit a bit weird for is a whole it? haircut. Yeah, don't what you about, think so?
2: What about the hair wash? We, we done the hair wash and the massage before? Can you can you close your eyes then? Oh,
0: very much so, but you Good. can't look like you're enjoying it too much. Yeah,
2: we're we quite we've done that before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. it now. I mean, we need to write all these rules down and put them in. We book. do, yeah. Okay,
0: Christmas book.
2: <laughs> yes, Christmas book. Okay, third and last one: cinema adverts. I'm aware this is questioning the hierarchy again, but Jeff made a comment about how annoying people coming into a cinema are during the advert bit. I'm often one of those people because I'm more annoyed about the fact that cinemas now have half an hour of adverts before a film. No, 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 no. Let him him finish. Let him finish. It's too much. And I feel justified in leaving it 20 minutes before heading in. Yeah. Can Jeff please have a rethink and clarify the position? I promise no, no, the... that, let him finish, let him finish. <laughs> I promise that if it's deemed unacceptable, I will sit through half an hour of adverts every time I go to watch a film for the rest of my life.
0: No, so I feel like I've been misunderstood here I've... I've got no problem with people arriving at different points during the adverts right, yeah. But the scum of the earth are the people who misjudge it and start arriving <laughs> yeah. during the trailers Or, I mean, the the worst people alive are the people who come in during the first minutes of the film So if you want to play fast and loose with that buffer zone when the adverts are on mm. You do so, son But, <coughs> you know, you be careful because you're playing with fire <laughs> Okay, where, where on the scale of Scum of the Earth are people who come in
2: after the film has started, discover that other people are sitting in their seats that they've booked, the particular seats, and then make a fuss about them moving rather than just finding worse, any worse, because you seat. should
0: forfeit, you, as soon as the film starts, yeah. um, you, sh- you forfeit those seats as far as I'm concerned. Good, just checking. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, yeah, I think we've no, I've got no. Though. I don't think like you know. I will get there just because I'm paranoid about being that person who ruins the first few minutes of the film, or even the trailers for other people. The trailers, there's a bit, you know, there's a bit of wiggle room there. Yeah, I had to push, but I just think people who arrive. Right, this is this is my point. This is what I've always. But when I've talked about this in the past, this is what I mean. People who arrive as the film is starting. They are the worst people alive because you've got like they've built into the film times all those adverts Mm, to give you a chance to give you a chance. You've got a massive buffer zone. You do, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if yeah, yeah. So there we go. That that is my rule on it. But I've got no problem with you missing the adverts. But you you know just if the film is starting, then if you you walk into that cinema. Um, through that door, and you see something on the screen that isn't a trailer that, mm. or an advert, mm. then you know what you do: turn back round and walk out again. You <laughs> lose that money. It's
2: so strict. Yeah. You couldn't What about standing at the back?
0: Not acceptable. Well, wow. no. Here's what you can do: you can stand at the back for may twenty five minutes. Yeah. And then at an appropriate point in the film, then you can take your seat. But your coat's got to be out, off already. You're not to be talking to the person next to you and like using your torch on your phone to and find your seat or anything.
2: Right, right. You can't get any food out. No,
0: no. No, good. Okay, great. I'm very happy with that. Uh, If you have one of these, you'd like to know the rules, email hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that was our podcast, thank you for listening You can support us on Patreon Patreon.com strokeadrift adrift The backing music is by Man and The Echo Who I think are gigging a lot this summer You should go and see them They've got new music too Uh, The incidental music was Emily Harrison Although we were incidentless this week Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu Provided the technical support And plugged it all in Um, Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox Are our announcers And made the little eye dents Rainy did our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos and um, if it's alright with you, I've, I've got to I've got to go because I need to get to bed so I've got to get up very early in the morning because um, I'm catching a train to have brunch <laughs> with a friend in
1: Reading I'm like, okay, okay And drift a drift
0: Podication time. This comes from Catherine and Henry Jones, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle.
2: Hi. Hi.
0: Can I please request a podication? I hope I spelled that right. You did. Um, For my husband, Gareth, for his birthday on the 19th of May, I hope I'm not too late. Um, Well, it'll be a couple of days after his birthday, but it's close, right? Mm, It's fine. Uh, We're both long-time listeners of the podcast, and before that, the radio show. We've recently had our first child, Henry, and he has been a wonderful husband and father during a very challenging time. Uh, I've said to Gareth many times, that he should write to you as he has some g- great stories of social awkwardness. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this little one for him. Shortly after Henry was born uh, we were in hospital to see a paediatrician for jaundice. During the examination Gareth was holding Henry and he leaned in to kiss his head. At the same time the paediatrician leaned in to examine Henry's head oh, with her hand oh. instead of kissing Henry's head oh. he kissed the female oh. pediatrician's hand. Oh, so, ter- <laughs> so so, so, so tough. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much. Say. Catherine and Henry Jones. So, Gareth, congratulations. Happy birthday. And uh, please, more stories like that, if you will share them with us, we Ooh. will we will uh, have more of those for you, more where that came from. Um, and if you would like a podcast email hello at adriftpodcast.com.